0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See
1: official rules at frito com. Boom! Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there. We are here, your two old bloggers, this weekend. To wrap up the week, we had the draft last week, finished up on Saturday. Best show of the three, live broadcast, thanks to Darren Campbell being one of the guests. It was awesome, thank you for coming. Also this week, we are looking at a breakout player, one near and dear to my heart, Mr. Ezra Cleveland, followed up by some of the unfas, the undrafted free agent's that we signed after the draft, time to get ready and look at it. And I promise you, after this show, I will work on that intro, shortening it up. Until then, let's rock! Welcome to 2O Bloggers, home of news and commentary for your Minnesota Vikings. Hey everybody, it's Dave here again, Darren over there. Darren, how are things in the Great White North?
0: Good, A week removed from uh, Vikings' first draft under Quasi Adolfo Mensa, so uh, excited about uh, t- to talk about it and uh, discuss what we liked and didn't like, along with the people who are tuning in today.
1: Mm-hmm. Should be fun. Should be fun. You gave me a list of a few things to talk about. and The first one we're going to go to as soon as we switch screens is, scroll, scroll, scroll. Not there, not there. We're going to start with the draft. It completed on Saturday. Like I said before, Saturday was day three of our live broadcast, and it was our best day. Over 3,000 people viewed. We appreciate that. All of you that watched, all of you that listened on the, well, there was no podcast because who wants to listen to six hours of podcast, Um, (laughs) but all of you that joined us on the show, we really, really, really appreciate it. It was a good show. Darren helped close it out. Uh, We wrapped it up, but let's talk about it because you and I haven't got the chance to talk about it yet.
0: We have not, but we'll do that today. Um as I as I mentioned, it was they when we went into the draft, we'd been used to what, sixteen years of Vikings draft with Rick Spielman involved some way or some way or another. Uh whether he was uh, I think director of player personnel for the first six years of his time with the Vikings and then uh as GM from two thousand twelve till two thousand twenty one and uh so you know part of the interest from me and from you and from other vikings fans was like how was the new gm quasi adolfa Mensa going to handle the, the draft and how how different would it look uh, and i think what we saw was that uh, in some ways it was it was quite similar uh Very. like like Quay was very aggressive. Six draft day trades—the most that any NFL team did—and and he almost said he almost pulled off a seventh, but he got talked out of it by the the, the war room. Uh, and then, uh, well, six
1: it, ties the record.
0: Yes. And then he's, uh, and then he was looking for. Uh, and then the other thing was, uh, he got his ten draft picks. That was Rick Spielman's all. Uh, his one of his talking points was in the last few drafts was he always liked to have ten. Quayce went went from eight with draft aid and trades got got up to ten. So a lot of similarities there, uh, I think. Uh, but
1: taking the cornerback we'll, high and then double yeah. dipping later, taking a linebacker in the fourth round. You know, just there was all sorts of parallels. Between the
0: two. I, yeah, I think for for me, the uh, overall, if you're looking from what I've been reading from people who have assessed the Vikings drafts who aren't drinking the purple Kool-Aid, they felt that it was a solid draft. I've been seeing basically grades of B and B minuses, mostly Bs. Uh, the feeling was that uh, overall consensus seems to be that it was a solid draft, but not a really exciting draft. And I would tend to agree with that. I didn't think there was a lot of, uh, there wasn't like a a pick that really just, really just did grab me. I thought here's a guy that's going to make a huge difference with the, with the Vikings in 2022. Uh, but, but there was, you know, there's certainly things that I liked about it. Uh, I think particularly like a lot of people, I wasn't really jazzed about the the trade with Detroit to go from 12 to 32 just because I felt, you know, they gave up that second rounder. I didn't really feel that they they had to do that. And really when you're looking at um, dropping 20 spots in the first round, uh, I think other people feel that as well, that they, you really, you want to extract more value than the Vikings got from Mm -hmm. that trade. Now, the argument has been that, uh the detroit would have trade got a trade down to maybe not twelve but they would have got to thirteen or fourteen anyway some other teams they would have they would have made the trade and then we would have been stuck at twelve and not got any sort of uh, you no know, value, value at all from it mm-hmm. but uh but i still I felt they needed yes. to extract more value uh value from that I also feel that they really uh i did really like the 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 Andrew Booth trade. I thought that, you know, getting Booth, uh, getting the trades to get Booth in the second round, a first-rounder talent who dropped because of injury concerns, that was, uh, I thought that was a really good move, probably one of my favorite moves of the draft. For Kwesi Do Mensah, he's a guy that's going to start likely Mm -hmm. first, uh, possibly the first right off the get-go. The Vikings had serious concerns as far as depth goes at cornerback. Booth really addresses that and you know the vikings and if he's healthy
1: like he supposedly had this core surgery and he hasn't been healthy since junior high or whatever it was and he's healthy now if he played as well as he did in college unhealthy i look forward to seeing what he does healthy um with that repaired and that may turn out to be the best rap pick but of course that's yet to be determined true uh
0: you know, I I don't really have a problem with the Lewis scene pick at 32. I, uh, a few draft a few shows ago, we we talked about scene being a potential target for the Vikings, just maybe in the second round. Uh, but uh, that would have been too late, as it turns out, too late to get seen. Uh, apparently, even the the Cowboys had him ranked pretty high according to the draft draft board that Jerry Jones was showing everybody <laughs>
1: after the well, first round. was probably, he was 13 on that uh, draft board. Yes, for, for sure. The sleuth and- zoomed in, they, you know, cleaned up the pixels and did all that. And he was supposedly 13 on their draft board, which is interesting, which means, you know, the consensus board had him yeah, about where we picked him and they had him as the second or third best safety, maybe go bottom of the first, top of the second. And But that's a consensus board that this is the teams. Obviously, the only team we saw was Dallas. And it was sleuthed after the fact that uh, Jerry Jones said, my draft board. Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know, uh, seeing my concern there with picking scene in the first round is I don't I. Maybe it's a bit of a safety bias by me, but I don't really think that uh, I don't think scene is going to have the impact for the Vikings of a first round pick that. I want to see he's not going to have a Micah Parsons impact on the Vikings' defense. At least that's how I feel at the moment, particularly playing at safety. Will he start uh, from day one? It's looking like he will. he uh, yeah. will certainly play a lot regardless because there's talk at, the, at Donatel. Mike Pettin are going to be using a lot of three safety looks. With Cameron Bynum being a former cornerback, switched to safety and his coverage abilities. The fact that Scene played some slot in college as well and uh, you, you know certainly scenes got uh i've been very impressed when when i have uh from what i've seen from scenes so far in the interviews super smart kid mm-hmm. uh, seems like a very hard worker and a, and a guy and the the measurables are very very good very fast uh, very extremely strong fast. yeah mm-hmm. extremely strong uh and Not a, afraid you know, to hit, it. good tackler so those are all things that we need uh but you know, you, you know, your first round pick, you want that that player to have the impact like a Justin Jefferson had in 20, uh, 2020, or like Micah Parsons did last year with the, with the Dallas defense, uh, had a large part in turning them around from a pretty mediocre unit to a, a very good unit. So there's some questions there, but, you know, seeing, again, uh, like Drew was saying, he could end up being a better safety than than any of the ones that have been picked. Um, really, some of my my kind of my favorite picks outside of the booth was getting Brian Asimoa uh, in the third round. Uh, really unique player, six feet, only about two twenty five, not even two thirty pounds, but really a a guy who's kind of a unique hybrid linebacker safety type. And I think at the third round uh hugely productive at Oklahoma in his college career another guy who's very smart uh that was something that seems to be a trend with what the Vikings picked in a lot of their draftees that they're smart smart dudes and uh, he's a guy that yeah he, he's either going to be like a, a bust because he's too small and just doesn't really uh, that his stature doesn't work at the NFL level for whatever reason, or he's going to be like a huge demon matchup problem for offenses and a guy who really carves out a very good uh, role on the Vikings defense in that three, four as a, as a, you know, as a missile kind of situational kind of player, which I think is what he's going to be his first year at least. And, uh, and he'll certainly contribute on special teams, I think in coverage and uh, on, on punt and kickoff returns, even if he doesn't
1: play a whole lot. In the private um, draft debriefing from the team to the press, uh, Arif Hassan was telling us how they envisioned him to be straight off the get-go a special team super stud because of his speed. Oklahoma's defense was known for speed. Their instant see, react, shoot, bang, right? And that's how he reacts. As for size, yes, he's small for a linebacker. But what's trending in the new NFL as the NFL goes through its cycles is a smaller, faster linebacker rather than the, you know, the traditional six foot three, six foot four, two hundred and sixty 70 seventy pound guy that's just, you know, meat stuff or plugged a hole. And he's smaller. Well, we're starting to see that some of these linebackers and safeties are becoming almost interchangeable when you look at their profiles. And it's it's going to be interesting because Ed Donatel will, and, uh, you know, the three-four is the base, but I suspect we will spend less than 20% of the time in the base. We're going to see a lot of nickel and a lot of dime. The dime brings you your third safety. We may have three safeties and two in – and a nickel instead of three corners. It's all all how they want to work it. But we may see six DBs with some of them. this, you know, hybrid, almost linebacker types. Erickson Smith can play that. Um, Scene can play it. Uh, Types in there closer to the box or whatever. Then we see a normal 3-4 with a normal setup in the back. I'm betting that's going to be the case for this season. If that's the case, this kid, with his speed, with his um, hitting capability, with his, you know, see-go type mentality can really be a benefit. And I like this pick. And I'm not the only one. Ryan Otega from Climbing the Pocket loves it because, of course, he's a boomer sooner. Uh, Flip Mozzie, our great Flip Mozzie, loves it because – because he's another uh, Ghanaian uh, Ghanaian American. So I think this, even though he's small, even though he's light, he hits like a Mack truck. I'm looking forward to this.
0: I said it last week on our Saturday draft show that uh, this pick, uh, and as you talk about the hybrid safety linebacker kind of thing that's happening is something that the CFL has done for a number of years the Canadian Football League, and I'm Canadian, so uh, hey. not, not that'm not that I'm plugging it, but uh, oh, uh, because, because, the, because the Canadian field is uh, it's wider, it's longer than the NFL field uh, traditionally you know those big uh, round bellies like you say don't fit as well in that style of play. there's only three downs so teams don't run as much they throw a lot more because that's the most efficient way to move the ball uh, and and so a guy like Asamoa. Uh, who's a linebacker, but really is not much bigger than Lewis? Seen right. <laughs> is like he—he's a guy who, in the old NFL, would have been a safety, but. In the CFL, where you uh, you know he he'd be a linebacker size guy because the, the NFL sized linebackers are too big to play linebacker in the CFL, and right. they'd be more edge edge rushers playing on the defensive line, and and so it's a you know again it, the NFL is kind of moving in that way while they're looking for hybrid guys guys that can run guys that can cover and uh, you and that you're not going to find that in like 260 pound linebackers normally. Um, another pick that late pick second day pick that i our third day pick that i i am intrigued about and we had his picture up earlier was that ty chandler the running back uh from north carolina uh breakout uh breakaway speed a guy who uh catches the ball well out of the backfield i thought that was an interesting pick for the vikings in the fifth round uh because uh you got dalvin cook who's gonna get Mm-hmm. going to take the bulk of the carries you got alexander madison who's always been his backup for the past three years a steady guy and then you got kenny wongwu who's we are intrigued to see what he could develop into with his breakaway speed and uh, and a big game a big play making ability but chandler uh is a guy who is at least from what i've read and what i've seen is that he was much better feel for running uh, you know the the running game and and setting up blocks and he had a lot more usage in college than Kenny Wangwu ever had right. and uh, i i i'm interested to see what and uh, also chandler uh, has returned kickoffs in the past. Uh, Kenny Wongu's got that job nailed down as long as he's healthy, but uh, there's a little bit of insurance there if he isn't healthy that Chandler can move into that role. Uh, but I think Chandler, at least with his college resume, is seems like a guy who could, be, uh, could actually be the guy we wanted Wongu to be last year. Somebody you stick in there as a change of pace back – Excellent catching the ball out of the backfield, got breakaway speed so he can take a short pass and take it to the house or take a, a, you know, a a nothing carry, take it to the house. So I'm really interested to see what he can do. And does this, the Chandler selection mean that Alexander Madison, who's going to be in his last year of his contract, the Vikings and uh, that, you know, his, his, uh, his, uh, his meat and potatoes running style, uh, if this is going to be his last year at the Vikings. I think it is because we've got Wong Wu and then Chandler who, if he plays like with up to the potential that he appears to have, he could be the guy that becomes the backup to, to cook in 2023.
1: And,
0: here, that's the other thing. That yes. is the other thing. Yes. So I found the Chandler pick. That was a pick that really intrigued me. Um, and I think overall, again, they, the draft, the Vikings went defense heavy in the first five picks, which indicated that to me that they were, uh, fine with the way the offense is and thinks they need a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of tweaking here and there that the defense was the big problem. They needed to address that particularly the secondary. They did so by taking two corners and a safety with the, with three of their first five picks. And then they kind of did some projections and got some depth for the offense in the last five picks by going offense four out of five
1: but there was one and early pick where they went that's off.
0: right and this was the one that i i questioned just because ed ingram there guard lsu again played in the sac sec great great competition he's playing against but it seemed again based on everything i read that he went quite fair a little bit too early in the second round uh, he's a guy that's got his run blocking grades weren't that great but his pass blocking grades in college were very good, and so we know that the Vikings' interior pass blocking and run blocking too, I guess, but pass blocking in particular has been an issue for several seasons. And maybe Ingram's pass blocking ability really caught the Vikings' eye. They obviously had him rated a lot higher than some of the other guards that went later, and and the consensus boards were saying were better players than Ingram. And uh, I, but. That's a questionable pick in the second round, at least it was for me. But the Vikings obviously felt different, and he does bring a lot of competition, uh, more competition to a right guard. You got now him. You got Jesse Davis. Apparently, Chris Reed, according to Doogie Wilson, is going to compete for the center job, not the right guard job. Right. Uh, And and then you got Wyatt Davis. I'm not sure where Wyatt Davis fits in here, but. Uh, he's a, going to be given an opportunity, but Ingram is another guy in that mix. Uh, I don't know how how you felt about the Ingram trade, Dave. Uh, you're, again, offensive line is kind of one of your things.
1: Well, um, with Ingram, of course, there's his backstory, which nobody wants to talk about, and we'll leave alone. Looking at a football perspective, Tyler Fornis of The Real Fornes Show, sent me three game tapes, uh, UCLA, Kentucky, and uh, Alabama of the lineman tape. So I watched him, and I watched him play. He has some skills that most linemen coming out of college do not have. In this picture alone, if you look at him in his stance. Is it a pass play or is it a run play? Hard
0: for me to tell.
1: Looks like a run. Well, we don't know. One, first off, his back is almost parallel to the ground. That's good form. That's very, very good form. He looks relaxed, and he is relaxed. He goes to the line watching the tape. He goes to the line, and he sets, and he sits there. Right? Unless the quarterback says something that he has to turn his head to, you know, listen to, maybe play chains or something. He sits there. Right? He looks with his eyes as to who he's blocking, who who's moving on the defensive side. As a defensive end, I can tell you one of the keys I looked at was his fingers. Right? Is there pressure on his fingers? Has he got his weight forward on his fingers? Or is he sitting back light? If somebody is sitting back light on their fingers, that's an indication it's a pass play Mm -hmm. because he wants to instantly come back it up, right? If it's way forward and his knuckles are white, or if he's in a gorilla stance with his knuckles bent over on the ground, then it's a run play. It's a pure run play, right? And it's easier for the defense to read. And not only is the defensive end, if they're lined up on, if this was a tackle, I'd be a defensive end lined up on this. Would they know? But your your linebackers and your defensive backs are also looking for little subtle keys like this. He is well-disciplined. It's hard to tell by reading his body what the play is going to be. You can, you can do that. Now, even in the modern NFL, um, especially with young rookies, you can see that. In college, you can see that. If you know what you're looking for, You can see that, and you can read the plays. He is good and well-disciplined at that. Now, what I saw the plays, looking at those three tapes, is that, uh, one, he's strong. If he locks on to you, he's probably going to bury you. But when it comes to pass blocking, what I found interesting, here he's got his left arm down. I believe he's right-handed, but he was on the left side of the line, and he was on the left side of the line, mostly all of college. He supposedly played some right guard snaps. I don't know. I don't think he did for most of his college career. as left guard, but he'll be moved over to right. His right arm, when he'd go back in the pass sets, if a defender came up on him, he would take that right arm or off arm, it didn't matter, left or right, and he would almost punch the defender, and it would stun him. And the guy would just do this number. And then at that time, like good offensive lineman, dude, they grab round yes. the pants pads, around the shell. And he controlled him flat out. Mm-hmm. He controlled him. They didn't get near the quarterback. The quarterback got to do what the quarterback wanted to do. That's what we want to see in the pros as well. Um, because you've got to be able to sit there and hold hold. You know, Green Bay does the bear hug thing where they wrap around as long as they don't turn, they don't get called. I think it's cheating, but it works. Yeah. So, you got to hold that defender in space. And he was constantly looking in the tapes, left, right, stuff like that. If he needed to shed, because he usually won his block. If he needed to shed and go help his tackle, or shed and go help the center, he would. Right? Already after his guy's out of the play, that means a lot. That means if he's starting, Kirk Cousins is going to have a cleaner pocket to step up into and throw a deeper ball. That's what we want. I was really impressed. I mean, he's got things he could learn, right? There's no rookie coming out of college that's going to set the NFL on fire, um, especially this point in the draft. But this kid could be a very, very good starter for the NFL and for our Minnesota Vikings. And, of course, he's wearing the right colors. I want to give him a chance. I'm looking forward to that competition at right guard to see who actually wins it. And uh, I think all these guys in combination, it can't hurt. The It's going to be steel on steel. They're going to make each other better because they're going to want that job, and I think our depth this year, especially on the offensive line, will be where we want it to be. Now, we'll get more into the offensive line in the next segment when we talk breakout player, but the more I look at this guy and me looking at the tape, the more I really, really like this pick.
0: Well it's that's good to hear Dave because uh, we did pick him uh, in the second round which is a high b- bit of draft capital and I would hate for us to have reached on a player uh, hugely that's uh, not going to contribute so uh, right. and that, again and you that know it generally
1: I, indicates he's going to start.
0: Yeah. So um and you know and overall in the draft with all the trades that Quincy made the wheeling and dealing uh, and, uh I think w- aside from the first round pick with detroit which again i think most people agree we didn't get the value we would have liked out of it but it is what it is but uh, you know the, I do, the Vikings. I do that-
1: i do want to give credit to that chart to ted glover yeah he made the chart i didn't um that's true and it was uh we i've talked to the, about this on a previous show yes nobody liked that first draft or that first trade with detroit we seem to have lost it now. It depends on what trade chart you're looking at, whether you're looking at production or where you're looking at the Jimmy Johnson, which Thor Nystrom calls the the blue book, Kelly blue book. It's the starting point. But that was built back decades when it was based on rookie salaries, when salaries were so high. So um, we lost it except for when you look at the production because we got more players out of it. So yeah, it is what it and- is.
0: And the Vikings, if they, I get partly of how you view this draft and whether you agree with the philosophy or not, is whether you think the Vikings could have got could have got better players by just sticking where they were with the uh, first round pick at twelve, a second round pick at forty six, and a third rounder at seventy seven, or whether you think they got they could get more better talent with the five picks they got from. Uh, 32 on down to 119 in the second, third, and fourth round. You know, picking up two two second round picks, one in the third and one in the fourth. We didn't have a fourth going into the draft, so Mm the Vikings got five picks from one to 119. Whereas before the draft, they had three picks from 12. You know, from one to 77. Uh, And I. I like that philosophy. I like having uh, you know a few more bullets to to pick, uh, a few more bullets to shoot from rounds one to four, and uh, you know Adova did that. So and that's where I, it's you know, different
1: from Spielman, right? Yeah. Spielman loved to have all his draft picks, but most of them were in the seventh round, day three. Quasi got them moved up to the first two days, and I think that's where the quality comes into play, and I think. When we look back at this draft in three years, I think we're going to see the big difference there.
0: Yes, and um, so it'll be. It'll be as all these th- things, you know, it'll, time will tell in two or three years what we think, uh, you know, how well the draft really was. But uh, again, so- solid draft, I think, uh, and maybe missing a bit of uh, the wow factor at least for me. But uh, that doesn't mean that the 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 decisions that were made and the draft picks that were made, uh, aren't going to wow us next year or in year two, three, and four. Mm -hmm. So.
1: Yeah. And I agree. And, uh, uh, too evil to hope wanted to get a 2023, you know, pick so we could help next year to find Kirk's replacement. I agree with him, but that didn't happen. I'm sure.
0: We actually gave up a fourth rounder in 2023 through all the wheeling. Yeah, and and I think we only
1: have six picks next year. But I'm sure, as of right now, uh, we're supposed to get one or two compensatory six from what I see from our free agents, but that's it. But I'm sure when the trade with Detroit, Quase asked for their 2023, but they said no. And the reason they said no is they weren't going for a quarterback because quarterbacks in this draft dropped it, dropped. And it's usually the quarterbacks that bring those high-yield trade returns. And they said no. So, mm-hmm. Tyler, too bad you're late. You missed a lot of the good talk and me getting excited over Ed Ingram. And then we will talk more about that on Monday on Tyler's show, The Real Forno Show. Don't miss it. Mm -mm. It's going to be good. Now, sticking to the script, we're going to a breakout player. Who is your. This is part two of a four part series of yours of identifying players that can have breakout seasons. And in this episode, you wish to discuss.
0: just go to com. It's magical. I wish to s- discuss uh, left guard Ezra Cleveland, David, uh, a guy that you really uh, were really excited about when the Vikings drafted him mm-hmm. in 2020, and uh, a guy who has been, um, I think, is an uh, important piece to the Vikings offensive line puzzle uh, and an important piece to the Vikings offensive line, getting to a, uh, a level of play that we all want to see them uh, get from being a pretty mediocre unit, uh, particularly on the up in the, <laughs> in the, you know, from the guard spots and the center spot to getting to be uh, a unit that we think is at least solid and maybe even we'll very good. And, uh, So, you know, Ezra Cleveland is a guy that, uh, again, second round pick, uh, and high hopes for him, um. Left tackle at Boise State, I think we all know that story. Got switched to to guard by the Vikings, uh, something that we've discussed on the show many times, and 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 uh, you know, and uh, and been somewhat, uh, mm-hmm. I don't, know, puzzled by the the whole thing. But uh, but anyway, he's been at left guard. He's a starter there now, and you know that the the thing about Cleveland is if you look at his Pro Football focused grades, and again, we tend to we go to those because they're one of the few outlets that actually puts out grades publicly uh, that compares, particularly on the off- offensive line, and can give us an idea of if what we think we're seeing when we watch the games is what is actually their level of play. And if you look at Cle- Cleveland's grades last year, you've got a picture of a, a guard who is okay. But not really, not setting the league on fire, not one of, a, not a top 10 guard, nothing like that. Last year, his PFF overall, grade.
1: Overall, he's yeah. average.
0: Yeah. He was 23rd, 23rd. overall amongst uh, 70-some guards, and this included both left and right guards, so it's not just left guards. So that's okay, uh, but again, not in the top 10. No, uh, uh, but it's
1: the top third, and he's only in his second mm-hmm. year and first time at this position.
0: Exactly. Those are all things uh, that are true, David. Uh, but again, an okay guard. But the Vikings have got, I think, on the interior they've been getting by with players who are okay or worse for quite I a don't while. i say worse. Don't <laughs> yeah, and they and Cleveland is a guy that I think is really key because uh, we're we're going with the, on the assumption right now that Bradbury is the favorite or he's the starter right now. Maybe Chris Reed will overtake him. We'll see. But Bradbury is a huge question mark if he's the center. Has not performed very well as a, in his three years in the league. Uh, been disappointing. A guy who is a, a big has big issue with giving up pressure up the middle. Uh, and uh, he's a weak link. It has been for the first three years. On uh, right guard, it's way up in the air right now. We know Oli Uduo was a starter last year, was an even bigger weak link. Then Garrett Bradbury, a lot of competition going on there. We talked about that. Jesse Davis signed right now. He's the favorite to start at right guard, but, um, and he's done better as a guard than as a tackle in his NFL career, but still, I don't think we're expecting him to be an all pro. Uh, you got uh, Wyatt Davis, huge unknown because last year he did not play at all. and Was in Zimmer's doghouse. Uh, and we're not sure what
1: special team snaps. And that was it.
0: We just do not know what a former All-American, what what's a, you know what his capabilities are. And then Ed Ingram, we just talked about, uh, drafted in the second round this year. But so right guard's a huge question mark right now. Center's a question mark. But left guard, we know Cleveland's going to be there. We know he's going to start. We also know that his grades were just
1: okay. But if you look Okay's look at his pass the other side okay. and what we had, it's okay. Yeah, but Tristan he's got, Salt again, said. Uh... We've really sucked drafting lately and put Cleveland in that list. We did hit on O'Neal, and apparently there's uh, Tristan, if you look at O'Neal's grades, his grades are, Cleveland's grades are tracking just like O'Neal's did. O'Neal did, we saw some good things in his first year, and then he did better and was about average in his second year, and his third year he took off. If that can, if that same trend happens with Cleveland, where first year he was, nah, right. Second year he was average. Third year he takes off. That's a hit. Um, that's that's an absolute hit, and that includes switching sides. You know, well, take switching from left tackle to right guard, right guard to left guard. That. That's quite a bit. I'm going to sit with Cleveland over there. Um, yeah, I have bias. I think he's – I like him a lot. But I think he can turn into one of the better left guards in this league, and I would leave him there. You know, even though we drafted Ingram, and Ingram obviously can play left guard, I'd move Ingram to right and compete over there. Our weakest spots are center and right guard. That's where we need to focus first, in my opinion.
0: And with with Ezra Cleveland uh, again, his PFF grades his run blocking actually uh, better than okay. I mean, 14th overall amongst those 70-some guards. Uh, The pass blocking is where things are more concerning for me. Where he was ranked 42nd, that is not good, and is an issue because you know Kirk needs a clean pocket to be at his best. If he's especially if he's getting pressured up the middle because Bradbury's leaking and getting backed up and Cleveland's getting backed up, and the right guard, whoever it is, is getting backed up. He, that's not good news for Cousins. It's not good for our passing offense. So, uh, you know, Cleveland's really got to step it up this year. And like you said, you've said it before. It takes a while for college offensive linemen often to get their to four stride. Years
1: on average for lineman. He's in linemen. year.
0: He's in year three. He's in year three now. Coming out of college, you know, the 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 good stuff on him was extremely athletic. Uh, and we've seen that he can get out in space, he can pull, he can get out there and take guys on that way. Uh, the, the, the knock on him was that he didn't have good base strength that he got, you know, he got walked back into the quarterback too much at left tackle. I think that has happened to some degree as a, as a left guard. But again, third year. He's he's got a new offensive line coach. Maybe Chris Cooper can unlock that all that potential, that athletic ability, and turn it and turn it around for Cleveland. And I say turn it around. Not again. Not that he's been a disaster his first two years, but I, like Drew was saying in the comments, okay is not good enough. We've been settling yeah. for okay at yeah, <laughs> as, as need, a team, as a franchise. Be For too long, we need to do better. And Cleveland, I think, is one of those guys, you know what you got in Brian O'Neill, good player. Christian Derriss, I think, is going to be a good one. So your tackles are good. If Cleveland, if you got a third guy, especially in the interior, if Cleveland really comes on this year and plays like he's capable of, I believe, that's going to help whoever the center is because because they've got support there to their left side. Uh, they're, They're not having to worry as much about... Whoever is getting them, uh, you know, is giving uh, the left guard is a sieve. Right. and hopefully and Kirk him.
1: can see his right side because he's right-handed and move from there. Or,
0: you know, the left guard, because he's good, he can kind of slide over and help the center at times. And if we get – if Jesse Davis or Ed Ingram or Wyatt Davis is 20% better than Oli last year – That's a huge win for the Vikings at right guard. Overall, the interior is going to be much improved, and I think Cleveland, he's got the best opportunity of those right guard, center, Mm -hmm. left guard that we have that are potentially going to be starting all the options. I think he's got the best – I believe he's the best bet – They'd be the guy who really ascends and gives us a third quality player on the offensive line. And I think that a third, three quality offensive lineman is is a lot more than most NFL teams have.
1: No, well, yeah, we'll see. But as you can see, our remarks are lining up with Bradbury, center. And the one person we didn't discuss that we got in free, agent, free agency, who's probably the better guard of all the new guys we got, is this gentleman. Uh, Chris Reed, right? Chris Reed came in. He is a very, he is a good, I shouldn't say very good. He's a good, capable guard. But he also plays center. Um, he's had no regular season snaps at center, but he's had some preseason snaps at center, and he played some center in college, I believe. He is, according to Doogie Wilson, been reported that he will have the chance to compete at center. So, if he doesn't, if he doesn't compete at center, he'll compete at guard. Um,
0: Reed seems to be kind of our Mason Cole this year. Who like Cole was a guy who could play guard or center. He ended up doing both last year and ended up doing both probably a little bit better than the guys <laughs> that he, that he replaced.
1: He's got better grades than uh, Jesse Davis does yeah. at guard, so it's quite possible. Um, too evil to hope talked about Treader needs to be brought in. If J.C. Tretter is signed, and I I can see that, that's a beautiful thought, um, and stays healthy because he's got the knee issues, um, he will be the starting center. And then at that point, Chris Reed, et al., Ingram, Jesse Davis, Wyatt Davis can all fight for that right guard spot. And I'll be perfectly happy. Because consider all those guys and look at the depth. Yeah. We haven't had that kind of depth in probably over a decade when it comes to the offensive line. So I can't see us getting worse this year. I can only see us getting better on the offensive line. Ezra Cleveland, the breakout player, cements that. And I think he will get better this year. I think he will take the same trajectory as Brian O'Neill did and establish himself as a very good left guard.
0: That is the, the dream, David, for sure. Um, And uh, and he, he's got some motivation because, uh, you know, he will be, uh, he's got to be looking at what his next contract is going mm to be. And, uh, uh, a big third year will either cement the Vikings, cement uh, for him getting a good contract, whether it's the Vikings or or some other team.
1: Now you and our notes talked about Ezra being a little weak at Boise State, even though he played tackle, he was fast, he could block yeah. well, and he moved well, but he was a little weak and could get run over. Um, that's generated this image of him scowling at you, but it's probably a true statement. <laughs> um, I do think, though, Ezra has bulked up. That's part of coming into the NFL, learning what weight you need, what strength yeah. you need, everything else, how to deal with, if you're playing guard, the defensive tackles, from the nose tackle on out to the five techs on how to do that, or a rushing linebacker, how to you know shed a block to pick that up or to do whatever and how to work in that phone booth, Ezra is doing that. He's learning. He has not dropped. He's going up on his talent curve, and I think I agree with you. He is a breakout player we need to watch this season. So, and who does he protect? (laughs) (laughs) We keep this man clean. There's no excuse. He's one of the best clean pocket passers. I think he was ranked number one last year, clean pocket passing in the league. Do that. Combine that with the brain of Kevin O'Connell, and our offense should rock. And by rock, I mean top five. And Drew, absolutely right. Ezra, I've enjoyed him and he's been my boy since prior to draft night on 2009. Uh, 2019, I was banging the table for him. You got that 100% right. With that, we're moving to the third theme, which some folks have been waiting for, but first, <laughs> Lake Monster Brewing, Lake Monster. I wear a hat. Why? Because they make some absolutely fantastic beer. Darren, I guarantee you would love some. It is outstanding. From their IPAs, their stouts, their lagers, their wit beers, their sours. I haven't tried one of their sours. But like Ryan Ortega and some of the guys say they love the sours. Refreshing, especially in summer. And uh, you go to the golf course. You go come off the lake. You're on the lake. Hey, screw coming off the lake. You're on the lake catching all sorts of walleye. Um, in Ted's case, his brother's catching the walleye for him. But you're having a good time drinking. Oh. And it is it is a yeah. great time and a great beer. And if you're in St. Paul or in Minneapolis, the cities, the area, go down to St. Paul, the right across the river from um Minneapolis and enjoy. It's good times, good people, and it's great beer. And Matt Lang, the brewmeister there, um, told me it doesn't matter. You know, I, you're only going to get Lake Monster within Minnesota area. I'm sure you can pick it up in Fargo, Grand Forks, maybe down in uh, uh, South Dakota and stuff like that. But the area, you're going to find it. It's not nationwide. I wish it was. It's that good. But he's focused on the local area. But he says, whatever you do, Support your local breweries around here because they make great beer. He told me to do it in Austin because he's been down here. They make great beer. I'm sure in Yellowknife during those long winter months, there's not much better to do than brew beer. So, you know, and I know when you're on the East Coast of Canada, you've talked about doing it yourself. So going into the business, and it's a good business to be in. But our sponsor and our partner, Lake Monster Beer, Great beer. I highly recommend it. Now, to our last segment, the Unfuzz, Undrafted Free Agents. You wanted to talk about them, and this is where I'm lighting the graphics, because I didn't find that many, but we have a few new ones to talk about. Yes,
0: we do. The uh, This time of the year, David, I uh, always am... I'm always interested about the the undrafted rookie free agents that the Vikings picked. Uh, you know, the Vikings drafted 10, 10 players in the draft, but then they also so- selected ten undrafted rookie free agents. And uh, sometimes, not all the time, not most of the time, but sometimes those those dudes, those kids, turn into John Randall mm-hmm. or uh, or they're Adam Thielen. Or a little bit lesser, they're Anthony Harris or Eric Wilson. Guys that don't get drafted but end up playing a fairly significant role for the Vikings. In the case of Randall, Hall of Famer um, and one of the all-time greats. So I'm always interested in the undrafted rookie free agents that the Vikings uh, you know, sign. And uh, there's three in that of the, the 10 that I wanted to highlight today, and we've got them up there. Uh, and there is uh there are Gabe birchich uh Luigi Villain, and bryant kobeck uh, and i 've got good at, and uh kobeck 's the first guy i 'm going to talk about i want to highlight um um he 's in the middle there number twenty two and uh, running from toledo, toledo running running back from toledo and uh interesting uh, cat because he's um super productive at Toledo last year 1400 yards 15 touchdowns 15 touchdowns and he had 30 uh, it was a uh, 34 catches was it 34 catches Th- sorry 30 catches last year uh now he did that uh with the uh, in the I think the Mid-American Conference at Toledo that's not the SEC it's not the you know the, right. the Big it's 12 or anything like that it's not yeah but And he did it as a, as a fifth-year senior. So he's a little bit older than some of the other people he's going up against. But still, he's a guy that uh, was uh, – uh, the, the production's there. And a good size, six foot, six feet, 210, uh, a guy who's also got the reputation for being uh, – a like he's, again, another smart kid, uh, a guy who has very good vision as a running back, uh, has good speed, uh, surprisingly elusive – and again, very good pass catcher out of the backfield and a very good blocker. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's a guy that I don't know if there's room for him on the Vikings, but because you've got Cook, you've got Madison, Kenny Wongwu now, and we we drafted Ty Chandler, but uh, we know Cook, I, I, I'd be surprised if Cook plays a snap in preseason this year. Uh, Madison might not play very much either because he's right now the backup to
1: Cook. Right. Uh, but, so, well, Madison what, was the relief back, so yeah um, I'm sure but that I think, relief type stuff is gonna go in there again so
0: i don't but I don't see him getting much uh uh play in the in the preseason, so yeah. there's gonna be an opportunity for Kobeck uh, along with Chandler and Kenny Wangu. They're gonna get the running of uh, the the uh, the running attempts they're gonna get divvied up between those three dudes, and Kobeck has got a shot. If he can adjust to the level of play, he's got a shot to make an impression with the Vikings, and maybe he steals that fourth running back position from Chandler. Uh, I think Wangu's going to stay on the squad because of his kicked-off returning ability. There's no way you get rid of that. But, uh, you know, Kobe is a is a guy that interests me, and again, with that kind of production, can't be ignored. Intriguing player. Intriguing undrafted rookie free agent that the Vikings have picked up, even if he's at an end. Running backs get hurt a lot. So uh, even if you got him on the practice squad, we may need him. Could be uh, A.J. Rose. Yeah, I'm not so sure about A.J. But uh, well,
1: but he's still on there, he's too. In talk there. About he's in there. A.J. Axel in Rose in is still going to fight for trying to get his spot, and he had a good preseason last year. He did,
0: yes, he did. Uh, but uh, Kobeck's a guy to watch out for. Another guy that I wanted to highlight is Luigi Villain. I'm not. Uh, I'm only partly highlighting because he's Canadian from uh, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, the nation capital of Canada. Um, you know what the- I?
1: When I see his um, name, I think of Luigi with the mustache, the Mario <laughs> Brothers. Yeah, the evil dude. Do- it's just. It's <laughs> just one of those things.
0: Just I'm sure aside. that sticks
1: with him. I'm sure I'm not the first to think of that.
0: Could be. Uh, he's a guy that uh, Drew would be familiar with because he started as he would started his career at Michigan didn't really do much because he got injured a fair bit and because there were guys like uh, you know Quitty Pay, uh, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo who were on that team and were ahead of him so not much playing opportunity for him between the injuries and the and the, the talent that Michigan had at that position but then last year he transferred to Wake Forest playing in the Atlantic Coast Conference and he got you know he had a break he had a very very good year nine sacks 10 tackles for a loss and uh so everybody's always looking for pass rushers dave uh he's an intriguing cat to me uh his measurables aren't really off the charts uh, by any stretch he, i think he ran a four eight or so or just under at the combine mm-hmm. uh and uh, we've we saw many edge rushers at the combine run much faster than that uh he's a guy who uh Again, from the scouting reports, doesn't have a, an explosive first step, which is something you want your head rushers to have, but does have a very good motor, never quits on plays, always running them down. And again, the production at Wake Forest in the ACC last year, nine sacks, can't ignore it, kind of like Ooh. Kenny Willickus, right? Didn't have great measurables, but the, you know, the production you could not ignore. so yeah,
1: worth, the motor worth, and the getting it done.
0: So worth bringing on as a as an opportunity. I can see him in the three four we're running. He's a guy that again I don't give him a shot. See
1: what he happens in training camp,
0: and well, do you he could see be a guy you could right,
1: or do you see him as the outside linebacker?
0: No, I see him as an outside linebacker rushing, okay. rushing, rushing there. Although. Yeah, the edge rusher, I think that, uh, but although he has a lot more experience, again from what I read, with his hand in the ground, hand in the dirt, as Mike Mayock would say, than standing upright. And again, what I read was that his snaps standing upright were not all that impressive. So, but he's still. I, I think he's a guy. You bring him in with that that kind of production, he gets stashed on the practice squad. You work on him, on him. Uh, he could be a guy that could develop into a useful piece as a three-four in the three-four as an edge rusher from the linebacker position. Um, that he's the guy. And I think that uh, the other guy I wanted to bring up is Gabe Birchich. Uh, the kicker, place kicker, he was kind of the last selection that the Vikings uh, got as an—I shouldn't say selection—the last guy the Vikings signed as an undrafted rookie free agent. Um, another guy that's okay. and inter- they interesting. Signed
1: him to a three-year contract, which means nothing in the long run.
0: No, but no, um, it, but, but it he had an d- indicator he uh, last year, his, uh, he was a finalist for the Lou Groza Award, which is for the top kicker in college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 for 26 in field goals last year. So that's not a great, that's about 79%, uh, which is... Not outstanding, but he was five for seven on field goals, 50 and over, which is good. And he only missed one extra point. And we know Oklahoma kicks a lot of extra points because they score a lot. <laughs> uh, he, he, he improved his leg strength last year. Uh, but, uh, so, um, he's got the leg, the distance to hit from distance. Uh, the knocks on him have been that he's, uh, intermediate, field goal distance his accuracy kind of comes and goes and that on kickoffs he didn't really surprisingly for a guy who can kick 50 yard field goals and and more uh, and make them uh, he didn't get a lot of touchbacks on kickoffs Uh Uh, but uh, so those are the knocks on him but I think that when you uh, if you look at Greg Joseph sure he had a pretty good year last year uh, just signed a 2.4 million dollar one-year contract although none of it is guaranteed but he missed a couple of key kicks against Arizona, which lost Arizona's the game for the us. The Detroit game, he missed that 49-yarder, didn't even reach the reach the the uprights, and that yeah. that ended up allowing giving gave Detroit the chance to come back and tie the game and then Joseph won it at the end. But if he'd made the kick earlier, we wouldn't have went into overtime uh, along with Madison fumbling the ball, but we won't get, <laughs> we'll get into that. But uh, I think, you know, Joseph all the way at a very good year. Kickers are always, he's not Justin Tucker. Uh, kickers tend to be up and down. Uh, I think, you know, it's good to have competition. Berkic is a talented place kicker. I think that I'm not, I think Joseph certainly is the front runner and I expect him to win the job, but if Joseph has a, not a very good training camp, uh, maybe struggles in preseason and Berkic is lights out, then the Vikings will have a, I think a difficult decision to make at place kicker. Uh, And uh, so I think, yeah, Berkic is just another guy that intrigued me out of that undrafted rookie free agent group. And uh,
1: just something to watch there. Oh, it is. Um, we also signed an undrafted free agent punter. We did, from uh, Tulane. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kid plays punter and tight end or something like that. He's like 240 pounds. He's a He's big, big boy. Dude. Yeah. He's and a and big it's boy. like Whoa. So that gives us two guys that, you know, play multiple spots that can punt. Um, But there is going to be – but the whole idea is there's going to be a kicking competition, which is good. One, it keeps whoever wins its leg relatively fresh. They don't, you know, blow out their leg in the preseason um, doing kicks. But it actually causes competition. Just like at the guard position, we're going to have a competition. Competition breeds excellence because you are there – I know I always – love to compete and be better than the next guy, right? We all love to do that and then cheer each other on as well. So if they both come out just absolutely kick ass, one's going to get signed with some other team, right? Whoever doesn't get signed with or kept with the Vikings. It's a good deal, and it only makes us better. And that's the goal of the offseason, make this team better. Not settling for okay, settling for excellence. Exactly. Exactly. Drew, thank you very much. Um, show covers Tulane. It's totally prepared. You know I love Tulane, Drew. Anyways, are there any other advas you wanted to uh, cover? We did. No. We did grab a center, a pure center as yeah. an adva. Um of a undrafted free agent, we grab center. Where was it? So, on, Sokol.
0: So. Yeah, Sokol. Sokol,
1: not a Sacred Heart. Um, not a big time football power that football powerhouse, Sacred Heart. <laughs> I don't even know if it's an Ivy
0: League school. Um, I don't think so. I don't I think, think so. I,
1: you know, I think Sacred Heart and I think Holy Cross. Holy Cross was yeah. an Ivy League school. But I don't yeah. think Sacred
0: Heart. Sacred Is not Sacred Hearts probably a division three school or Uh, something?
1: So, um, we got the wide receiver out of uh Appalachian Appalachian State, Thomas Tennyson. He's supposed to have some juice in him. We'll see how that goes. Um, it makes our wide receiver room depth. I think, I think what Quasi's done assembling the whole 90 man roster, he's done well, And, and the fact. That we've already released a guy. I put it out a couple days ago that we released a nose tackle that was the fist nose tackle on the roster so we could sign Bershik. So I expect more and more cycling at the bottom end of the roster. There'll what be some can, movement for sure. Yeah. What we can look for, Naylor, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a great name. It could be played on like Drew played on it there. Yeah. Um, is another wide receiver. There's – coming up this week, in Egan, all the rookies report. So we Mm -hmm. will see them all for their rookie mini camp, which won't be much. I mean, they'll come, and if they haven't already, they'll get sized up for their uniforms. Well, it'll be the first time we get to see them in – all of them in Vikings gear. I'm sure if you watch the uh, Vikings.com website – There'll be pictures of all of them standing out this is this
0: they'll have a few uh one minute one minute videos showing little montages of them doing whatever they're they're going to be doing on the field yeah uh, which won't tell us much but it'll, it'll it'll uh it'll give them a chance to get acclimated to get uh, uh, get together as a group for the first time and hopefully nobody uh you know tears an Achilles like <laughs> O did when he was on his pro day because uh, uh-huh. you don't want any do not want any of that shit going on. No.
1: No, no, no. Hey, even though we got a new sports science guy, we don't want to overload him with work. Yep. Okay. That should be it. Have you got anything else you want to talk about today?
0: I don't know, Dave, uh, but uh, just getting into the the – it's gonna, you know, we're gonna to have to be very creative here over the next couple of months because, uh, you know, the draft, free agency, that that's all over, and that's been all the talk for the past few months. Right. Uh, you know, I, along with that, along with the fact that we hired a new head coach and a new general manager, so now we're gonna to have to be creative in coming up with those Viking topics for this show so that people keep on watching and yeah. uh, and tuning in. Like they have, uh, and we thank them for doing so. But uh, there's always something with the Vikings. Um, yeah, and hopefully, I
1: it'll be. This show, along with uh, most of Climbing the Pockets, is going go to slow down a bit, go to once every two weeks or so. Um, but I will let you know, you'll see it online. I will post. I do the Climbing the Pocket networks, uh, social presence. I have one of the accesses to that. So a lot of this stuff you see is from me, you'll see it from Matt Anderson. Stuff like that. We will continue, and we'll let you know if there's a show or no show. But we're planning on shows right now, like there'll be a show next week. And if everything goes right, I may even start today after this show to work on shortening that roll-in so people don't go to sleep. Maybe find some new music. Uh, I would love to put some ACDC on there. However, we do not have the copyright. Uh, I listen to ACDC before the show to get us fired up. Little <laughs> well, black eyed peas too. Let's get this party started. But anyways, whole lot, of, whole lot of rosy, Dave. That's right, whole everybody lot of rosy.
0: That'll get see. anybody fired up. If that doesn't get you fired up, nothing
1: can. So, hey, we want to thank everybody for watching us. And what do we say, Darren? We say, Skull Vikings, Skull Vikings.